Welcome to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz. Follow me on Twitter at Lawyer Liz. And the while I am an attorney, the Buzz Off show is not legal advice. Instead, it's a weekly look at all the buzz surrounding drones, autonomous vehicles, the Internet of Things, and all of the gadgets and gizmos and technology in between. And up for grabs for discussion on this week's show, flamethrowers, drone jamming guns, ATM jackpotting, and perhaps the biggest story to come out of information security and technology in 2018 Keeping in mind, we are a month into this, but looking at IoT device snitching, that 2017 was a breakthrough or breakout year in devices that didn't get off to a good start, and 2018 is, well, it's coming out with a bang, or in this case, a heat map, but we'll be talking Strava fitness apps and what you can do with our expert on threat intelligence and um, other such things, but we'll be welcoming Rebecca Brown onto the show for the second half. But to kick things off, we'll start with, well, where we have come in so far with the Elon Musk has kicked things off with, let's just say, a little bit of fire, but he announced that he would be helping make a flamethrower. Yes, a portable flamethrower that surprisingly, these things are not restricted. In other words, you can own them, operate them, purchase them in 48 states. Only two states place restrictions on the ownership operation of them, but it's $500 for a flamethrower in the first day of sales they sold 15,000 out of a planned 20,000 to make for sales topping 7.5 million dollars so while a funny funny idea uh, perhaps uh, yeah they are making quite a little profit margin on that considering that the portable flamethrowers well, could probably be made in close uh, proximity to what's being sold for about $30 in parts. So think about that for a moment. And if you're worried about uh, mos- mosquitoes or snow in your driveway, uh, some interesting memes have popped up online on where people are discussing and justifying the uses for or the need for a flamethrower. If you're thinking of using one to down a pesky drone, though, I would recommend against it because in that case, you are technically interfering with the operation of an aircraft and there are consequences for that. But not only interfering with a drone with a flamethrower, a newly announced project from Drone Shield called the Drone Gun Tactical. It's their latest iteration of a rifle-looking uh, anti-drone 
antenna, essentially, that's high-powered antenna that will blast a drone's antennas with a powerful signal, essentially causing that drowns out a drone controller signal and instructions. So the signal that's going from the controller to the aircraft, the drone aircraft, would get jammed. It would get flooded out, ideally causing a safe landing or uh, in the instance where the the drone's GPS isn't scrambled, return to home feature in most drones. But for an additional add-on, you can purchase, they're selling a GPS blocker uh, feature that will, well, take care of that return to home. The idea is that if you land, cause the drone to land uh, nearby, it's a better uh, ability to track who was operating it and the owner and what they were able to do with it rather than the drone returning to home. First and foremost, these devices, this gun, as well as uh, similar approaches are illegal in the U.S. unless you are a military or government operator uh, and not just any government operator. But uh, broadly, the FCC has something to say about jamming a signal as well as the interference, again, with the operation of an aircraft. So keep all that in mind before you rush out to buy the uh, Drone Shield Drone Gun Tactical. It boasts about an hour or two of jamming capabilities and a tactical range of one kilometer. So uh, where and how, if that is the best use of your uh, planned anti-drone techniques, there you go. Not to mention the fact that Heavens forbid anything else using GPS signal or radio signal be in the vicinity because those will likely get jammed, interrupted, disrupted as well. The other thing that these kinds of anti-drone measures don't really take into account is the fact that what happens when you have a crowded airspace where One drone is flying that shouldn't be there, but um, other drones are permitted and authorized to be in that airspace because you can't necessarily determine between one drone or another when using the jamming guns. It's going to knock out anything that comes across its path. So when you think of first responders that may be on a scene uh, or a media uh, camera going in and what happens when everyone has one and are bringing down drones that are supposed to be in the area. So all of this will be fascinating to see how it plays out. Uh, It will be interesting to see whether the flamethrowers, the jamming guns, and even the guns that emit nets, which we've seen uh, some proposals uh, really take off and how those get implemented. But in addition to those devices, uh, talking about takeovers, Alexa's takeover of the world, Amazon uh, spreads Now they've announced a new feature where you can, in addition to accidentally late night ordering or uh, exposing your searches to 
anyone who happens to be in the room by uh, doing all that. Well, now you can send text messages uh, to folks, hopefully intending to do so, but uh, the new feature will go into effect. But one thing to keep in mind, it only applies to Android phones. Uh, The Echo's messaging and calling feature previously only sent calls and messages between Echo devices. So Alexa will be sending text messages to Android phones. But keep in mind, in order to enable these features, the uh, devices want access to your entire address book. All of your contacts would then be synced to your home assistant. So uh, hopefully you don't accidentally uh, message or otherwise call someone you're not intending to just by uh, bringing them up in conversation. So talk about snitching, but one good thing that I find interesting and hope more uh, we see more of is Code.org and Alaska Airlines have announced that beginning in April on Alaska Airlines flights, you will be able to see free educational videos on uh, computers and other networking internet. And there are very basic uh, instructional educational videos, but hey, it's a good start. You never know. Maybe you will be able to start learning uh, Python, Ruby, or some of the other more sophisticated uh, issues and techniques on upcoming flights. But uh, kudos and good luck to them on that, uh, seeing where that goes. But one of the things that having a basic understanding or a better educational understanding of cybersecurity but also just personal security and device settings has been on full display thanks to uh, Strava. But as we alluded to before, all these fitness apps and trackers and other devices, including your Alexa and Echo, I mean, they're, they're collecting this information. They're using it, if nothing else, then to better the product. But in other instances, I mean, Part of the point of some of these fitness trackers is the community and competition, knowing who's doing what, uh, having some responsibility. If you don't post a run that day, somebody's going to ask, hey, Liz, uh, notice you didn't, you know, you missed your run today. What's up? Or allowing me to compete with my run times against neighbors, uh, nearby users, stuff like that. Well, all of this convenience comes at uh, somewhat of a price. And as we saw with 2017 and even teddy bears uh, giving away, in that case, the teddy bears leaked 2 million messages uh, and recordings between parents and children, but also 800,000 credentials, emails and passwords were leaked uh, you get into the dolls, the other children's GPS tracking watches, and even Facebook's uh, messaging app geared towards children uh, has calls have been put out to pull that app back. But with all of this uh, information that we're providing and 
connectivity comes a responsibility, one to uh, know what you're permitting access to, what's being collected, and organizationally, whether these devices and whether this information would impact other aspects. And in the case of Strava, we've seen that the fitness apps at Strava created the heat maps and released them, something they've been collecting since 2015, but is pointed out the heat maps of where people are using the the devices all over the world are creating unintentional maps. And we'll delve into some of that when we come back from the commercial break and particularly look at what can be done and what are the options for and what you can do to protect that a little later in the show with uh, Rebecca Brown. But until then, you're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Field books. There is a difference, and the difference is made in the USA by family-owned and operated Bogside Publishing in New Hampshire. For over 38 years, the family business has produced the finest, most durable, rain-resistant, and most affordable field books in the land surveying and engineering industry. Demand the best from your supplier, Bogside Publishing Field Books. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz. And as we teased before the break, and we'll be certainly delving into deeper, uh, there's been a lot of location and other personal data snitching in 2018 already. And unfortunately, this is not a new problem. In fact, uh, we've seen issues with this. I mean, Google Maps, as far back as 2014, ran into issues where people noticed, hey, they're tracking where you're going, what you're doing, and not necessarily giving you options to opt out or fully disclosing how this information is being used. I mean, from Google Maps to AccuWeather was one of the companies or app, their app had faced a lot of backlash last year. And Uber has had issues with their location tracking and disclosure of what they're tracking, that just because your ride had ended, they were keeping up with some of the information on where where you were going and really releasing and collecting and using that information in ways that people weren't aware I mean, you certainly know that Waze is tracking where you're going, but are you expecting Facebook or some of the other apps when you've activated the location settings to be doing the same? So when you start thinking about all of that, Strava's issues, again, are nothing new, but perhaps bringing a spotlight to the problem by the heat maps giving a visualization of just what some of these issues can be and would be when you have locations that 
ordinarily are exempted from maps or mapping features, or you have in the case of the Strava heat maps, they're telling you when people are going, when, what are the most popular routes, how frequently, and in some cases, what times people are using certain routes. So if you're using a fitness tracker to you know, get your steps in and collect those during your work day, then Strava is going to tell people, well, hey, at 9 a.m., 9.30, 10 o'clock, in other words, when are people going to meetings? When are people going along certain routes? And it's creating as well maps of what are the routes and paths, for example, for an exterior of a building. If you're doing circle laps around the building at lunchtime or in some cases military bases, if you're running the exterior of or along the uh, edges of a military base, because you need your exercise, your board, uh, or your patrolling, then if you've got a fitness tracker, if you've got this Strava app in play, then it's taking that and releasing it. So what exactly are we talking about with this? Well, in this case, Strava, which is a run and cycling app, created a social network for athletes. And it tracks runs and rides via GPS. It permits strangers, other people, uh, not only those you've permitted to follow you, but anyone nearby, depending on your privacy settings, to like your workout, provide you motivation, you know, as well as see how long it took you, see where you went. Maybe they want to take a similar route. Well, location-based privacy then becomes the concern and one of the is the jokes have been made even the kardashians have learned turn off certain settings you don't you go on vacation you don't necessarily post your vacation pictures from while on vacation you wait till you get home or you don't necessarily want to tell people that the picture you just took of your amazing brunch that you are currently enjoying was located at X spot or this restaurant because you've just broadcast where you are to anyone who's following you on social media, not to mention the underlying data you're providing marketers and others for free. So what happens when you've done that, when you've given location? Well, you want to then look into your privacy settings, turn off some of the automatic tracking features so that it's not obvious. You haven't broadcast. Uh, perhaps there is a reason you don't want that. In other words, you don't want to broadcast that you're away from home and this is the perfect time to go by your office or your home to uh, break in or uh if there are people, you don't necessarily, if you have called in sick to work, you then don't want to broadcast to your boss that you are not sick, but in fact, enjoying a wonderful boozy brunch with uh, friends at a nearby restaurant. Uh, not to mention, if you do any kind of work that 
involves information security or national security, uh, even if you know, locations within, not at the high, high level, but just general areas or places, jobs that you don't want to broadcast that. It's just a bad idea, but uh, that's when we bring in uh, Rebecca, our expert later, to talk about that, that threat intelligence. But before we could even really get into that, looking at what what Strava did and that regardless of how you had set up some of your uh, privacy settings, and Strava claimed to have three or claims to have three uh, main privacy settings, including enhanced security or enhanced privacy down to don't tell anyone who I'm doing, what, you know, where I'm running and what times, et cetera. So strip out all my information. The problem is, is that you have to take a closer look at what those privacy settings actually mean and their impact because it wasn't as straightforward as it would seem. And in some cases, if you had set your privacy to enhanced, if you had joined a, a challenge or if you had selected other issues, then uh, you were still, your information was still being broadcast. And in this case, uh, kudos to Strava. They have announced that they will take other measures uh, and launch privacy campaigns. And while we are somewhat picking on them because, you know, you want to opt out of the leaderboard, opt out of the challenge, because they have created these heat maps of where people have been using their app, the frequency, et cetera. They're not alone. Uh, 2016 uh, research conducted by Canadian-based Open Effect in partnership with the Citizen Lab, they found that seven out of eight fitness tracking devices were emitting persistent, unique identifiers that expose wearers to long-term location tracking, even if the devices aren't connected to a smartphone. So if you're using some of these apps, even if you've gone through and looked at the privacy settings and you think, okay, it's not connected to my uh, iPhone, it's not connected to my Android, you know, I, I'm not uploading this information. Well, in some cases, the fitness trackers are doing it for you. And really that's the crux of where Strava pointed out here, well, we've, we've you know, anonymized the data. We're not telling you necessarily who was doing the running, but instead these heat maps and searchable, uh, while fun to see where the popular runs are around a particular location, when you start thinking that or start looking at 27 million global users creating these maps, what has come out is that we now know what the internal uh, routes, you can judge where hallways, uh, where popular departments, offices, or locations within any given uh, particular area. The heat maps are showing you where, in some cases, what the exterior or what the building may look like Whereas previously, there had been blackouts as to what that area looks like. And publish ever, search it, 
download it. I mean, I saw some uh, neat renderings of popular running routes throughout Atlanta. But when I start thinking of the CDC and Georgia Tech and other uh, institutions that are conducting uh, classified research or providing information uh, and security or things that impact the bigger security picture, it raises a concern as well as, you know, what companies should do or what the military should do and what institutions should do. Do you permit the employees? You want to encourage good help. You want to encourage the exercise, but how do you limit? How do you identify what devices, what IOT is connecting in your environment? And certainly a topic that we should pick up on an upcoming uh, buzz off show is how do you know what it's not just your coffee maker snitching on you. It's not just the, uh, the teddy bear that someone gave you for Valentine's Day that is sitting on your desk and perhaps uh, recording conversations, but it's the it's those hidden. It's in some cases, you know that you're wearing a fitness tracker, but do you know what it's doing and what it's tracking and what it's broadcasting? Did you take Uber? Uh, or lift to the office that day? Did you post a picture or chat with someone identifying where these signals are coming from, where this intelligence is being gathered, and are you the one inadvertently uh, snitching on what you're doing? But uh, like I said, the bigger picture comes into how do you and what do you do? Do you then limit all of this data and information and is there a responsibility on the companies because there is a benefit to be gained as we said from all of this but what what are some of the steps you need to do what are is it a policy initiative uh, how do you minimize these risks and then there's also the caution that uh, and some conspiracy theories I've seen floating around of whether some of the information was leaked or published or can it be manipulated? Is it accurate or is it as accurate as it is portrayed to be? And is there a responsibility from some of these uh, device makers or uh, apps to provide uh, reliable information, what happens if it's not up to date, but particularly identifying what's in your environment and knowing how that uh, those devices and information is being used, uh, going to, and that's a topic to delve into with Rebecca Brown, an expert in threat intelligence, but we will pick up that conversation right after this commercial break. You're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. As teased a little bit before the break, we're going to delve right into how all those devices are snitching on you in 2018 using Strava as a good starting off point. But who better to discuss this with than Rebecca? Rebecca Brown, who, I mean, Rebecca has built threat intelligence uh, programs from, in some cases, the ground up, everywhere from the Marine Corps to uh, other federal intelligence agencies, state and local, and is currently a threat intelligence and incident response expert uh, for Rapid7. But I mean, Rebecca, I can't keep up. Uh, You have been there, done that, and definitely have the t-shirt. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And I mean, how much did you just cry a little when some of this uh, information started coming out about how the fitness trackers, and I saw one map where it was the folks at the NSA, I mean, they wanted to get their steps counted. And unfortunately, it produced some fascinating heat maps of where these devices are, as well as where these previously unmapped uh, buildings, military bases, everything. I mean, it's who would have thought from a essentially a Fitbit tracker type thing? Well, anybody working in intelligence um, definitely would have thought that. There's been kind of growing concern as people have uh, more more tracking apps and, and more um, – more wearables and more things that are on their person all the time that are just generating all this data about them that is, you know, it is incredibly useful to them, you know, from a health perspective or um, from a training perspective. And I think it's great that people have these tools to help them try and stay healthy. Um, But when you think about the data that's being collected and how adversaries could potentially use that, um, it's really concerning, especially because all of these, you know, devices and trackers and wearables um, have become so mainstream that people don't tend to think about the security implications um, the way they might have about uh, posting other types of information about them online. Well, and what it seems from the early information coming out, it basically was almost a mapping tool. It's not the personal data. It's not Liz Wharton walked 50 steps uh, or, you know, 1500 uh, the last hour, but it's more just giving insight into what patterns and everything are about these locations, which is somewhat different than that personal information that everyone seems to initially be focused on. It is. Um, and so, you know, the Strava, um, their, their privacy settings allow you to say, you know, don't share my personal information with people. Actually, you can go the whole gamut. Strava was meant to be this exercising, you know, social networking app. They want you to be able to see who else is running the same routes as you and see how they timed. And they even had a feature where if you pass somebody on a run, it would give them the information in case you guys wanted to compare notes on the run later, which seems a little excessive to me. But there are some people who really enjoy that. Um, but at that point, their privacy settings are, okay, well, we won't um, 
if you don't want to share your personal information, if you don't want people seeing your name and your picture and your email address, we'll protect that. Uh, but then they also say that they're going to use anonymized data um, for business or research purposes. And that's exactly what they did with, with this map. Um, it's, it's not your personal information. It's not how far you ran. Um, although for some of the runs out there, like, I think those people should be getting some kudos. There's some pretty, pretty, <laughs> um, but it, go, it just goes to show that it's not just the personal information that needs to be protected. It's not just personal information that can put people at risk. It's the activity patterns. It's high traffic areas. It's identifying, you know, people running routes outside of a base that, you know, potentially an adversary wouldn't have known those routes existed. But now they know this is an area where a significant number of people go, um, and maybe I should be focusing my intelligence collection or any sort of planning or um, information gathering on these areas. Uh, so even that non-personal data has some serious implications for security. Well, and how does this play into the bigger connected device universe. I mean, there's something to be gained from being able to track your fitness or being able to, you know, expanding it into something that there are some benefits from these connected devices where, you know, are we monitoring a power usage and being able to then, you know, send, uh, know that, okay, we're going to have a surge on the grid at this point, but we're going to have to replace this other light bulb, you know, uh, in a week. How do you mesh those kinds of devices, even in a corporate environment where you don't necessarily want all of that information to get out? There's... There's, yeah, there's, there's a couple different ways that we can you know, start thinking about that. I think the biggest issue is that a lot of people haven't started thinking about it the way you just explained it, which is there is a reason we have these devices and there's a reason we're gathering this data and collecting this data. Um, you know, when you, when you step outside just the personal fitness um, apps, like you mentioned, there's a lot of different things we're monitoring processes, industrial processes, environmental processes, where we have sensors out there that are collecting lots of data. Um, and, and that's useful. That is going to help us solve problems. And we absolutely need to facilitate that type of information gathering. Um, just saying, well, just don't collect it is not really an option in a lot of time, a lot of cases. Um, but we do need to be aware of the risk that that's introducing. And luckily, we have a lot of good frameworks out there to start thinking about it smarter. Um, I think a lot of people just haven't um, haven't realized that we need to. And so maybe a, a positive outcome um, of this Strata heat map is that people are going to start realizing, like, wait a minute, all this data that I'm collecting, um, you know, where, where is it being stored? How are the people who are storing it, are they using it other ways besides the way that I envisioned or the way that I thought I had given them access to? Um, and for the companies who are, you know, generating or providing or hosting this type of data um, also need to be aware of risks they might be introducing for their customers if they do publish this data. Um, and and I'm, I'm a big fan of, of public data and of publishing information that's going to help people understand um, trends and how they might improve their own processes. Uh, but there is a, a line um, that needs that, that shouldn't be crossed when it comes to security, whether it's personal security or, you know, a corporation's security. Um and I think that we need to more clearly define where that line is if we're going to make real progress. Well, and some of the things, is it all the burden falling on the users or do some of the you know, companies that are collecting in private, you know, does Strava need to say, 
hey, maybe we should have double-checked some of this before we just blindly published it? Yeah, I think it's absolutely on the companies, um, you know, as well as, as personal users. Like like I said, even if you had, you know, your privacy settings where you didn't want to share your personal information, that doesn't necessarily mean that none of your information, your, your route mapping or how frequently you ran wouldn't have ended up on this heat map. And I think that's a problem. Um, and so I, I do think that Companies need to make it easier for people to understand what data is being collected and how it's going to be used. But then they also need to think about, well, should we use this? You know, is this actually good marketing? I feel like in in this particular case, it might have a backlash where people are like, whoa, wait a minute. You're going to post, you know, my runs on a giant map for anyone to see? Maybe I don't want to use the app. Um, So I think there's definitely some growing uh, that companies are going to have to do when they think about how they use this data. Well, and I think there's, I I foresee a trend in uh, some of the company, you know, now military uh, installations as well as other companies that are sensitive to, you know, the mapping and their facilities may start saying, okay, employees, anyone coming on site, uh, you're not allowed to have Strava. You know, you, they're going to start banning or blocking the use of certain products. And I mean, to the extent you can really effectively do that, but now they've just lost a certain market share. Right. And, but I, and I think that would actually be unfortunate because, um, while, you know, Strava has kind of brought our attention to this, they're not, you know, blocking Strava or saying, well, military members can't use Strava isn't actually going to solve the problem. There are so many different apps out there, you know, Fitbit, um, Edmodo or Endomondo. Um, there's, there's lots of different um, fitness and route tracking apps that are probably gathering similar types of data. Um, and so, and even our, even our devices in general, they capture so much information about us. And so if, if, we, if we take that pro- approach where we're just like, well, we'll just stop doing it, don't do this thing, um, then, you know, we're going to go back to the time where we have to, like, you know, capture paper and pencil and write everything down and, you know, then hope people don't go dumpster diving. Like, there's people are always going to be seeking out information that's valuable to them. Um, and so rather than banning a particular app, I think it would be better for the military to talk about, okay, what, you know, how has the world changed? How has information um, generation changed uh, where we need to now address that problem and, and make sure that our security fits within like this modern framework rather than saying, well, just don't do that. Well, I mean, it, you think of, uh, I mean, I hate to say alcohol being, that's the first thing that comes to mind. You tell you know, under the age of 21, you're not allowed to drink. And that didn't exactly work out well for a lot of folks. So it, telling people no i mean you're you're exactly right it's all right let's find a way to work this within our framework and acknowledge that this is going to happen because even just carrying a cellular device i mean your mobile phone is constantly tracking through various sensors what you're doing and where you're going right and i think there really just needs to be um I think kind of a, a campaign to provide more awareness, um, you know, to military members and the public in general about all of the different information that can be gathered from your phones, from your online um, accounts, you know, your Facebook and your Instagram and your Twitter, um, and just the pictures people can put together by all these things things you're putting out, um, and and have that explained in a way that a lot of people can understand. Because for a lot of people, even just kind of checking through the settings, the privacy settings on their apps isn't intuitive to them. 
Um, and I know we're trying to make it easier, but I think that this, this Strava use case will show them why it's so important to check those things and why it's important to be aware of what you're allowing apps to collect and, and post online about you. Well, that even before we started uh, our discussion today, I was going through and looking at some of my settings on Facebook and was amused at areas of interest Facebook had tagged for my ads. And I thought, wow, that was your takeaway from me and my like, huh, I must have some, you know, I need to take another look at my friends or my likes because that that may not be what I would consider like I'm not your target market for that. Oh yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm giving a presentation later this week, uh, and it, the topic is called information anarchy. And um, so I've been searching for a lot of anarchy clip art, and now I'm just targeted at <laughs> getting now. Like I'm a little bit afraid about what the internet thinks of me, but <laughs> just for a presentation, yeah. I promise. I know. Well, and I've I've frequently joked about that. I said I want to throw the algorithms off every once in a while and just start, you know, searching for random things, not nefarious, but just to see. Well, how does this change that? Yeah, how does it well, respond? Exactly. Well, we will pick back up with some of these ideas on what you can do and how you can adjust right after this commercial break. That you're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, Visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz. Find us each Wednesday from 2 to 3 Eastern on America's Web Radio. Radio or find the Lawyer Liz podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, your favorite uh, podcast streaming service. And talking today with Rebecca Brown. And right before the break, we were commenting at the absurd uh, settings and how the algorithms from all of our different apps, web searches have created these unique profiles of what the computers predict our patterns and habits. And uh, so, Becca, now that I have completely, and as you explained, you have completely confused all of all the machines, uh, what, what can we do? I mean, how do you take a step back and look at, as we said, we can't stop using all of these devices or apps cold turkey that's just not a realistic 
solution. So how do I change the discussion? Uh, so I think at, at an individual level, um, you know, when you're thinking about my usage and how do I, I protect myself, um, one of the best ways to start is just to do, um, it's kind of like a thought exercise where if you think, okay, if I had something going on in my life, like I'm planning to move, I'm going to move to Portland, um, but I don't want everyone to know and I don't want to start getting targeted ads because I haven't told my company, my family, whatever, <laughs> thinking about, okay, what what would I do? What would you know be my interaction with technologies that would cause something to pick up on that? If I start, you know, downloading, um, you know, a home uh, home buying app like Zillow or Redfin and start plugging in Portland addresses, does that get logged somewhere? Am I going to start now getting emails saying, "Oh, here's houses similar to ones you've searched for"? Um, if I start going on my um, any of my other apps and looking for schools in the area or things like that, where are all the places? How how do I interact with the internet? Um, in ways that they're going to pick up on my intentions when I don't want them to know. Um, and that can actually just help you start thinking about all the different data that's being gathered about you um, and, and where it's being stored and then what the follow-on actions are. Because that's that's a lot of times the issues is these follow-on actions that can have unintended consequences. Um, like with a heat map, now I can see where everybody runs, which we're not supposed to know about. Or, you know, in our fictitious scenario moving to Portland, all of a sudden our work emails are getting, you know, um, forwarded things about moving to Portland and the people around us are like, wait a minute, what's going on? Um, well, saying even with Valentine's Day coming up, um, the last thing you want is a significant other saying, why are we getting ads for this vacation or absolutely. this? Uh, uh, but hint, hint, I do like sparkly things. Um, so I'm not opposed to seeing ads for those. But I mean, can we, should we use it? Actually, should we use that to my advantage? Should I start searching for those so that they do pop up and shared? Uh, computers as like subtle hints. See, I like this. That would be that would be another application. You know, another way you can use this technology to your benefit. Um, and that's honestly, at the end of the day, that's what we want it to do. We want all of these these things we have access to to be for our benefit and not to our detriment. Um, but when we don't really understand everything that's going on, um, it can be really hard to know how to how to keep yourself safe. Um, and so once you kind of understand, you know, what your goals are. Do I want to? Um, do I want to limit? Uh, I don't want these apps to be able to send me emails about things I've searched for, or I don't want them recording this type of information. Then you can go to the particular apps and start looking at the settings and either um, enable or disable based on what your goal is for this use of this technology. And it's it's much more difficult than it sounds um, because even though we have our interactions and we can set privacy settings, a lot of times we don't know what's being stored on the back end. Um, and so in that case, it's, it's best to really think about your kind of like your personal um, threat model and threat profile. And, and uh, there's a lot of information out there you can read um, if you kind of just you know Google personal threat profile and, and then Google will know you're on to them and it will start trying to suggest other ways you can protect yourself. Um, <laughs> if you are if you are a military member who's getting deployed to a remote location, you need to be much more stringent. I would say, you know, delete the apps from your phone. Maybe don't even bring your own phone. Turn off location settings as much as you can without breaking the, the device or making it non-functional. Um, but if, if you're, you know, a person who is, uh, you know, in the United States and you have a pretty you know, thorough online profile as it is, you know, you post to Facebook, you post to Twitter, um, you don't have any personal safety issues, um, then then using some of these apps, even in a more robust privacy setting, is less threatening to you. 
Um, but it, it, it does need to be very kind of tailored and specific to what you, what you want um, and, and what your goals are. Now, and, and is there something to be said for almost having a kind of that work phone or work accounts and not doing, you know, personal business with those accounts? I mean, because I, I sit here and think of, you know, for my uh, job, I have a government issued uh device or multiple devices that I just don't use uh, different apps on or access accounts from. But that's not always realistic to expect, you know, ways and other things. I may use some of those directional things. Mm-hmm. But is that is that one solution or to consider? I, I think it is. Um, and I, you know, I remember the days of carrying around like three different phones because they all had kind of different roles and functions. Um, and it was kind of annoying at the time, um, but it does make a lot of sense to have that separation between your professional life and your personal life for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, you probably don't want your cell phone or your phone capturing information as you're like walking through the Pentagon. Um, but, you know, someone might still get a hold of you. So they have, you know, the specific phones that have pre-configured with security settings. The, the data management can be done in compliance with company regulations. Um, I think that that is a, honestly a really good idea. Um, but again, you know, realistically, companies realize that by allowing some of these bring-your-own-device um, policies that they're saving money. Um, and so I think that's a lot of times that kind of pushes the, the security or the privacy um, out of the way for, you know, business impact. Well, it, it's the age old, you know, privacy uh, versus convenience, which somewhat sets up a false dichotomy. But at the same time, we continue to struggle with that. Yes. Well, so and I, I, you know, I like to kind of look at it a, a different way. I think that sometimes what's good for security is also good for convenience. I, I have multiple different email accounts that I use for different things because we get so many emails these days. So I need to know, okay, is this coming from um, a friend of mine? Is, is this where I'm going to get all my coupons? You know, they send them this email. Is this where I, if somebody sends me this email, I know they're talking about a class um, that I teach. And so the security of having that separation is good, um, but it also is convenient to me. Um, it obviously doesn't work for everybody. Sometimes juggling multiple email accounts um, becomes a burden, um, and then they're just going to start sending everything to one email account, and, and it won't work anymore. Um, but I think that there are a lot of different methods that people can use um, to to ensure that they have better security and better control of their information and, and find, find a way that works for them. And what are some of the things, so we've gone through, we've checked our settings, we've turned off location to perhaps only when using the app, uh, if not, you know, never that kind of thing. But when does the burden become, because just because they're not getting access on the front end, there's all kinds of analytics running in the back end. How, what can we do about that side of things? So from a consumer side, there's unfortunately not a whole lot that we can do except potentially email and let the companies know that, you know, it's important to us. Um, Even our anonymized data is important that they protect. Um, I think at that point, it really does come down to the companies. um, And I think they have to realize how valuable that information is. Um, They're, you know, they're they're aggregating tons of information that that a potential um, adversary could be interested in. 
And so even if they're not posting it online and making it available for research purposes and things like that, um, they, they might, themselves might become a target for that data they have access to. Um, and so when I, when I work with a lot of companies and I talk to them about building their threat profile, we start with the data. What, what data do you have that someone might be interested in? Um, and it, again, becomes an interesting thought exercise because we used to think, well, I have financial information, I have personal information. And then we get to, okay, but what else? You know, there's so much more that you have. Um, and then, you know, when we start talking, people say, oh, well, we have all of this information. We actually have more information about all these other things. Um, and at that point, we can start saying, great, we need to protect this. In some industries, there are legal um you know, like with, with PCI, they have to control or have to protect our payment card information data. They have to protect our PII. Um, and so those are kind of regulated, but all of the other data they have is not. Um, and I think that um, if, if there's not regulation, we, we need to make sure people know that just because they aren't being forced to protect it doesn't mean it's not important to protect. Um, and well, I, I think as you point out, just the increased costs in the... Uh, protecting their infra- their you know systems of look you're going to be have a higher threat you know profile you're going to be you know folks know you have this information and they're going you're going to see more attacks more attempts and so you invest in the robust system now it seems like that that falls as or that's part of your kind of follow up discussion with them absolutely absolutely and um, knowing, you know, kind of what the threats against them might look like and who might be targeting that types that type of data, you can help kind of tailor and customize um, how they need to go about protecting it. Um, so hopefully, you can also help them, um, you know, reduce costs. So you can increase security, but if you're, you know, making sure you're protecting the right things from from the right things, it doesn't have to be cost prohibitive. Well, it, it seems too that's a good time to ask companies, organizations, uh, you know, developers, what data do you really need? And what, while cool, uh, doesn't move your bottom line or your products or your services forward. So therefore just delete it, you know, don't capture this right now or don't store it. Absolutely. And I think that a lot of people aren't used to thinking about that. Um, They just think, well, hey, cool, if we have this, we should keep it, Uh, which, you know, I I work with a lot of data scientists, and I think that they would be like, yes, yes, keep the data. We want the data. (laughs) You know, who knows what wonderful things we could do with it. Um, But if if it is data that could potentially um, compromise operational security or put people at harm, um, and now you're going, your company is responsible for protecting that data, it is a good question to ask. Should we capture this? Should we keep it? And definitely, should we post it online? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, well, thank you, Rebecca, so much for your time today. Where can people find out more about your work? Because you don't just go and advise companies on the nine to five. I mean, you put a lot of energy into the industry. Where can folks find more of your work and writings? Um, well, I recently had a book uh, that I published through O'Reilly called Intelligence Driven Incident Response, and that talks about how to take some of these intelligence methodologies and apply it 
um, to responding to incidents when, when somebody has gotten into your computer system or gotten access to your data. Um, and I also teach um, for SANS. I teach uh, the threat intelligence course, um, and I do a lot of blogging through them as well. Um, and, and I blog for Rapid7. So uh, there's a lot of different ways to kind of find out my the musings um, of my brain. Some are more interesting <laughs> than others, um, but I do enjoy being able to kind of share the thoughts and, and have good conversations around things like this. Excellent. Well, I encourage everyone to find Rebecca on any of those uh, mediums, buy her book. Uh, but again, Rebecca, thank you for your time and insights. And thanks to everyone for joining us this week. You've been listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio.